Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. Hey there, tennis fans. I'm your host, Chris Otto. Pleased to be with you on day eight of Wimbledon. We have just seen all four women's quarterfinals go down. In fact, on center court just moments ago, the upset of the day has occurred. Barbora Streetseva takes out Johanna Kanta. The Czech, in her 53rd Grand Slam appearance, reaches her first major semifinal with a 7-6-5-6-1 win over Kanta. She'll move on to face Serena Williams in the semifinals on Thursday. Williams was a three-set winner over Allison Risk. On the other half of the draw, it's Alina Svitolina making her mer- her first major semifinal appearance, and she will meet Simona Halep in the semis. We'll preview those women's semifinal matchups for tomorrow's podcast, but today let's get to more pressing matters. The quarterfinals are set on the men's side, and we had special guest Pete Odgers, BBC commentator this fortnight at Wimbledon to talk us through some of these matchups and to talk a little bit about what he's seen in the first eight days at Wimbledon. Hey, Lucky Let Court Podcast is pleased to have Pete Odgers, BBC commentator here at Wimbledon. We've had him on before. You guys probably know his voice pretty well. How are you doing here at Wimbledon, Pete? Yeah, fantastic. I mean, uh, well isn't really a better place in the world to be honest during the summer as in as soon as you arrive here it's just that the sights the sounds and uh, well I, I always mention the security guards and just how everyone makes you feel good it's such a, a feel-good event yeah it really is nice it's um geez it blows my mind each time it's my fourth time only being here but uh i thought i might get jaded after a few and there were moments where i wondered getting off the plane feeling a little tired having done paris just a few weeks ago but Damn, it's pretty special. Yeah, I had exactly the same thing, actually. I mean, I um, <laughs> actually, second year running, I've actually got a bit of a cold. So I've never had a cold during commentary, and then all of a sudden, two years in a row, I've got a cold here. Coming into the grounds, I was feeling a little groggy, feeling a little bit tired, thinking, oh, I'm really tired about it. Worked weeks and weeks and weeks in the build-up to this. And then you get here, and as I say, my, my car got done for security, and they were so friendly and so nice and say, oh, who do you think is going to win? And within like five minutes of spending time with just those guys, which usually would annoy you with your car being checked for security, right. I ended up thinking, oh, isn't Wimbledon fantastic? And just I got the buzz straight away. That was within five minutes of rocking up. And yeah. thinking, I don't feel that bad. I'm at Wimbledon. It's fantastic. Hell yeah. We're fortunate, right? Yeah. Get the buzz. Keep the buzz. So tell me, what are some of your highlights from, from some of the calls you made during week one? Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's one of those events where it almost doesn't matter what match you're commentating on. It, there's something about just seeing the green grass and beautiful the lush setting. green grass, the beautiful settings. Um, obviously, being British myself, I've sort of it's been such a huge deal. Uh, as in Wimbledon, growing up and as a, a kid playing tennis, it was always such a big, big thing. So just the fact being here always just feels so, so special. But I mean, yeah, I've done some good matches. Um, I was, I was impressed with, I did Popperin against Medvedev, um, good talented Aussie youngster, that was a brilliant first set there, if anyone saw that, I was really impressed with how his attitude and what he brought to the court, I did team against Query, and I, <clears throat> that was a fascinating match, team actually played really well for two sets and got very unlucky, should have been two sets to love up, Right. Query had a big, big miss hit, huge miss hit, went up, flying up in the air, landed about an inch inside the baseline, that was on set point to team for two sets to love lead, my goodness, and then he ended up losing that that point lost the set and then just fell away uh, and so it's amazing what happens and now you've got query in the quarterfinals it's those sliding doors moments <laughs> so you know that miss hit goes an inch long rather than an inch in he's two sets to love down teams then the favorite to win that match and we're looking at maybe team going deep in the draw and now we've got query set up against nadal and 
I mean, Quarry played fantastic after that. I mean, it, it was a very high-quality match, but I just love those sliding doors moments in, in tournaments. It, they happen in every tournament. Um, they do, you're and, right. And so often you sort of, you forget, come the end of the week, you forget, like, you see Sam Quarry in the quarterfinals and everyone's talking about him, and you forget it, he, he was probably an inch away from being out of the tournament almost. Yeah, that's crazy. And um, that I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned Popperin because he's a 19-year-old, a very talented young player that looks like he could be a really good one on grass. But and and he, and he won his first Wimbledon match, which was which was big for him. But I wanted to get your pick on the large, uh, your take on the larger big picture of the next gens. They kind of faded here. Sitsipas to me was a guy I thought was. You know, he made the quarters, uh, the round of 16 rather last year. I thought he might be able to go on a run. Felix Ocialiasim got his first two wins at a major, but a disappointing loss to Hugo Umber, who's, I guess, a guy we can look at positively. Mm -hmm. But overall, just not what we expected from the next gen. Yeah, it's so funny, isn't it? Because it sort of felt like, I felt like I've been bigging up the next gen for the last sort of two years and saying yeah. oh, how great they are. And, and honestly, it's great because they're all different characters. They all play different styles. So I am still the huge fans of the majority of them. Um, but I just think it, it's so tough right now. The, the top guys are still not going anywhere. And they are, I think they are just still showing, you know, it's not just this generation, is it? It's, and we've had the Nishikoris, the Raonic's. They've tried to break through. They haven't been able to break through. So this next generation, it just shows that actually Djokovic and Nadal's are still well, well ahead. And they've still got that gap. Disappointed with Sit to Pass. <clears throat> but to be honest with him, <clears throat> I think it, I think... It was always going to be tough. Well, what I found interesting with Tsitsipas is that that loss to Vavrinka at the French Open, that was his first real big major, major upset in terms of something that really didn't go right for him because he had yeah, that run right. at the Australian Open. And so I just wonder the hangover effect of that, a bit more pressure. And, and so I think that loss, it was so big for him. And I was seeing him around the hotel and he wasn't happy at all after that loss. I think that may be a little bit of a hangover effect. Felix Auger-Aliassime, You've got to remember how young he is, and so these are all just new. Just 18. These are new experiences for him, so give him a bit more time. I'm so impressed with what I've seen with him. His attitude for me is is phenomenal. There's still bits, parts of his game that he can work on, but attitude-wise, I'm really impressed. Shapovalov's one that I am worried about. He's mm -hmm. someone that I did his first match as well here against Barankis, and I mean I've been saying it for a while with him. I just worry about the on-court intelligence. Yes, he's got a fantastic game that he can hit winners left, right and centre, but it's so flashy. He, he sometimes doesn't recognise in terms of the big moments in matches and, what, and how to play. play. Yeah, situational play. Make, just make some returns. He's playing Barankis. You know, he got to Love 30 a number of times in that match. Just, just was still taking big cuts at the ball at Love 30. And you're thinking, OK, he's going to be feeling it. Your, your opponent's feeling it now. You know, make some balls here. And he just hasn't played the situation that well. So I'm a little bit worried with him. I've seen him fall away in matches as well, which when you analyze Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, when they were young guys, when they were young kids and, and you watched them coming through, they never fell away in a match. They always fought tooth and nail right to the bit, right to the end. Often they won it, but even when they lost matches, it was a fight. And I've seen that from Felix Auger-Aliassime, which I like, and I've seen it from Sitsipas. He will always show fight, oh, yeah. even if, whereas I worry sometimes with Shapovalov, I have seen him sort of, fall away and so he's the one that I'm more concerned with but I think it's very there are issues there certainly you think you think yeah. the cloud will clear with all that's going on personally with him and maybe we'll get to see him I mean clearly he's shown such a bright you know that he has so much potential and he's got so much game he's got so much game as you say and, and you know chatting to, to Jez Green and people saying you know he's such a steely determined worker but there is something there with the slams and, and there's a there's something there with the character that I'm not that, that is just lacking in the the real big moments. Uh, yeah. And again, he's fallen away, and that's something that concerns me, and that's the big thing that concerns me really with him. But I mean, he 
but he's got so much potential it's, it's there and again we've got to remember that he's very young and there have been I think also with Murray he changed coaches a lot and waited to find the right balance and get everyone right um, and it took a little bit of time and so Good maybe point. that's the case with Zverev and, and again these guys are so young and everyone's blossoming later that's also something we've got to be careful in the media we don't sort of go oh, it's all gone wrong here and we don't sort of apply yeah. that because these guys are young. so maybe now peaking is around 24 25 which you know in terms of reaching your potential so these guys sure. are 21 that they're 18 that you know 19 20 so we've got to give them three years if then they're failing at 23 okay if, they, if they're still failing 23 24 then I think hype it up a bit and say okay what happened to them but I think there's so much there still to be really excited about I'm still actually really positive about almost all of them that there are little holes Verev, Shapovalov that I'm worried about a bit yeah but overall there's so much to be excited right, about right. the future of tennis and, and they've, particularly got, they've tennis. got time and, and let's push this conversation forward a little bit because I wanted to talk about next gen and then the big picture is that the reason they're not able to break through although they didn't run up against the big three at this tournament maybe there's just the cloud of the big three hanging over them giving them not enough belief in the majors but let's talk about the big three because I've sensed a tiny bit of frustration among you know fans and media like oh my god it's just it's just a cakewalk for these guys right now they're going for their 11th straight major it's 53 out of the last 64 it's Federer it's Nadal it's Djokovic is there any player that has a shot to knock off any one of these big three not even the collective before say the semis and you know tomorrow we have quarterfinal matchups and we'll see all three in action well I mean t tomorrow I think uh, looking at the, the quarterfinal draw um, it, query for me is, is the one that has a shot I mean when you look at who he's beaten he's beaten Djokovic here he's beaten Murray here okay both might not have been in the best headspace but he beat team earlier on and he was phenomenal against team it's on his racket most of the time with Query. So he's, he's one with, with the quarters that I look at that and I go, okay. I think the draw has been kind a little bit. Is it, and, and the trouble with some of the slams, and sometimes it happens like this slam here, is that, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to commentate on Goffin versus Vadasco yesterday, and they both look tired. And they've both come through a five-setter. And then okay. they're both, you know, hitting some grueling rallies yesterday. And then you think, well, by the time they then get to, to play against a Djokovic, they're pretty weary and you've got to be 100% against Djokovic and you've got to hope he's not 100% and it's usually the other way around everyone's battled to get through to play these guys so my, I'm afraid I mean Query for me I think could do some damage that's really exciting okay yeah <clears throat> Query's got 100 aces so far in this tournament I think he's yeah. dropped serve once so I mean if he can hold like he's been holding he'll be in the match he's fresh be. as well you know I mean okay played Eastbourne but he hasn't had a lot of tennis this year he's had injuries but his confidence will be flying so that's the one that you look at. Um, but in terms of, yeah, they haven't really been tested. I think some of the draw has worked out quite kind for them, as in, again, Berrettini came through a mammoth five-setter. So before he played Federer, was probably, a little, again, not 100%. Correct. And that seems to be what keeps happening. I was looking at some of the draws, other than Nadal against Kyrgios, the other ones that I was sort of looking at, thinking, well, that will be a difficult draw or that will be tough. They've either lost. They didn't happen. Or, Chilich yeah. didn't make it through. Chilich I thought it could be a Raonic could have been tough as well, as in for someone, but you know, as in wasn't in that section of the draw, and now he's gone. Yeah. Um, so the sort of big servers, the ones that you sort of think, right, well, they could be really dangerous on this mm -hmm. on the surface. Even a young guy, um, you know, even some of the young guns, like Felix Ogelli, seemed might have might have done a little more against one of those guys. Yeah. Um, draw didn't work out that way, and so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Nadal, Nadal query is interesting. I, you think Federer's probably got enough against Nishikori. Nishikori's going to have to bring his A game. Federer's going to have to be off, off it. And um, Djokovic, Goffin, as I say, I just think Goffin, he looked a little tired yesterday. Okay, he's got another day off. Um, but again, he's got to hope Djokovic is below par. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, he can do it. He's beaten him once before, but okay. it's a tough ask. Okay, let me let me ask you, because you brushed over Nishikori a bit, and that's, mm-hmm. I want to bring it back to him, because he does have three wins against Federer. He did beat him at the World Tour Finals last year on a fast, hard court. He, and miraculously, Nishikori made it through week one without dropping a set. I, I heard a stat that it's like been 10 years that he hasn't done that at a major. So he's going to be fresher than relatively than he has been before. Grass is a good surface. Quarterfinals last year, mm. pushed Djokovic, took a set. So, I mean, what experience do you have with, with the matchup? Nishikori Federer, obviously Rogers, the man to beat here at Wimbledon in a lot of ways. I mean, eight-time champion, I mean, king of grass. The Roger thing is so fascinating because, I mean, I, I, I covered almost all of Halle, um, and it was funny. He, he goes and wins that tournament again, you know, yet again. Uh, uh, and sort of throughout the tournament you were going well he hasn't found his A game yet yeah. you know he's not he's not playing that well he's, he's, he's still not there he's, he's it's patchy tennis but then he goes <laughs> and wins the tournament and you know it's a 500 series event and these are tough to win you know you've got to be really good guys and and, and you sort of come and he, and he beats Goffin in the final really comfortably and, and you're just sort of like well he, did he even play that well throughout the whole tournament and so that's the funny thing is in uh, Nishikori if he does bring his A game he's going to make a lot of balls he's, if he gets into a good rhythm which he has been all tournament as you say he's going to be fresher so yeah, I mean there is a chance that Federer gets beaten there. I mean, we know, you know, the miss hits if he if he comes out and he's not timing the ball as well, um, then there's a threat. And so I certainly wouldn't put it past Nishikori beating him. The, the big news, as you've already mentioned, is that he's fresher than he normally is. Yeah, he no. usually gets to this stage and he's struggling. So I think that should be a really fun encounter, and that's a real test to, sh- to see where Federer is at because I don't think te- he's been tested yet in this tournament. I think that. The draw has been quite kind to him, but he's made the draw look quite kind. Yep, he has a way um, of doing that. He has a way of doing that. <laughs> so this will be right. Is Federer playing great? Uh, as in, you know, he's been coasting through these matches. Even in Haller, he's sort of found ways through the matches. So where is he? You know, where, how, how well is Federer yeah. playing right now? Like, where is his level on the grass court? And we're going to find out yep. tomorrow. Good point. Uh, and and that's, that's going to be really enjoyable. But... You just feel at the moment you just kind of go. I wouldn't be too surprised if it's you know a three sets, four sets win to Federer. Exactly, and, yeah. and he still doesn't look amazing. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, tomorrow. I, the more you've talked to me about that, the more I'm, I'm more excited yeah, about that I matchup mean, now. You know, and Rogers' draw looking forward with Nishikori is a tough one, and then of course it's, gonna, it's likely going to be Nadal, and then if he gets through. It would be likely Djokovic. So uh, Federer's path now to a ninth Wimbledon title is gotten it's gotten significantly trickier mm. after the first four rounds. So he's, he might have a lot to fight through to get this title. But if anyone can do it, yeah, certainly Roger. I wanted to get your, Pete your take on the style of play in the men's game here at Wimbledon. I looked at some stats of how much serve and volley has been employed, and of course we know the the. The grass changed, I think it was 2001 or two, where it kind of made it more conducive for baseline rallies. Mm -hmm. Um, But it used to be, I think in 2002, we had 33% of the of the points were played were serve and volley. This year, it's only 5%. Do you do you miss that style of tennis, or would you like to see it a little bit more? Because I know I would. Yeah, I mean, I certainly would. Yeah, uh, and and I think uh, like yourself, I grew up watching, and I grew up watching like Henman and cheering on Henman, and you know, he used to serve and volley a lot of the time, and even Rosetsky, and obviously I've done a lot of work recently with Gilles Muller. Oh yeah. And, and like the reason I think he had a late resurgence in his career, and he said this as well. He said was because people aren't used to that style. You know, he used to have that lefty swing of serve and then just come in. And, and the, the, he said the juniors and the younger players who were coming through just weren't used to people serving and volleying. I've been fortunate enough to spend a lot of time in the booth with um, Todd Woodbridge and, and Mark Woodford, obviously the Woodies, mm-hmm. you know, greatest serving and volleying duo in the business on the doubles court. And they were saying the same thing. They, they, they think it's under-taught. So, yeah, I mean, 
I think it's tough. Again, it's been the second year running where it's been hot, and the Wimbledon's been it's been hot, so the, yeah, the has. grass has dried out, so it's got the, the bounce has been higher, so it, it does make it tougher to serve and volley because those returns are more in the hit zone than than they're not as low off the serve. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were doing uh, Vadasco as I say the other day, and John Lloyd came to me I was commentating with, and he was like, "Are these stats right?" As in zero, zero, <laughs> zero, and, and he was like. And I said to him, well, I haven't watched his other matches, so I don't know. As in, like, so I wouldn't mention that on air, just in case it is an error. And then we watched the match, and he didn't come, didn't serve and volley once. We're like, there's a guy with a huge serve. You know, it's a great lefty swinger serve. Surely, come, you know, if, you, if you, someone's chipping your return, surely come in and serve and volley. But no, he wants to set, set, step back and time the next ball on his forehand. And yeah, it was one of those things you just think, but this is why Federer, he can throw it in. And it's not necessarily you wanting someone to do it all the time. Shapovalov was actually a, a classic example. Who was I watching the other day? I was watching someone and met, it might have been an Eastbourne, but it was infuriating me and I, I couldn't believe they weren't serving volume because the, the opponent was the blocking ball, yeah. and chipping the return and you just went, he's floating the return back. Like, yeah. you know, if you serve and volley off that, it, even if you miss the volley off the serve, then even if you miss that, you at least change the mindset of your returner. Exactly. They're not going to chip the ball as much anymore. They're going to have to swing at they the ball. They can no longer relax and assume they're safe. They can no longer relax and it back. So I think it's an underused tactic. Yes, I do. And, and here on the grass, it should be used more. And I think that's why I think a lot of people kind of want Federer to win. They love Federer because he also brings that style of game and he shows all the young kids, this is still how you win on grass. This is still how you perform. And, and you know, Query's another one. He can serve a volley. He comes forward they're every now and then. They're both doing it, I think, 11% of their service points. Not a lot, but they're picking their spots. And like yep. you said, keeping opponents off balance, not letting them get comfortable. I asked Federer about that when he played Dimitrov a couple of years ago. And he, he just, it boggled his mind as well why Dimitrov wouldn't have tried it once or twice against yep. him just to get him thinking. And the returns come so easy when, when you know you don't have to worry about it. But yeah, I just wanted to get your take on that. Yep. Because yes, the grass is different. And yes, guys are great from the baseline. They're getting true bounces. They're comfortable back there but I think you hit on something when you said it's under taught if you're never taught it if you never think about it how do you just suddenly show up for a three-week grass season and employ a tactic that's not at all natural 100% and, and that was exactly what Todd Woodbridge said to me I mean he said look you know to, to play in the majors you've got to have confidence confidence is the key to, to execute any tactic and he was saying that's why it's not taught enough they're not then doing it in matches they're not doing it in the practice courts so he said he'll go and watch you know I mean I've watched Rublev practice and right. don't get me wrong I'm a big fan of Rublev Lover's attitude oh, amazing. He's you know, ball striker. but I've seen him his practice sessions I've just been like well he spent all the time at the back and I'm like well, he, he needs to finish points and it's weird you watch some of these guys and they do spend all the time at the back doing forehand back and forehand back end and, and Todd Woodbridge is right and I, I feel you know just do a little bit more just so they've got the confidence to switch that tactic up and it would help them so much more I mean I'm I don't feel like I should be too critical because you know I, I'm not playing at this level so oh, I feel yeah. you know but um but you talk to a lot of the older pros and a lot of guys who are in the know and do have the knowledge and even players like Gilles Muller who's just got off the tour had and he's had a lot of success here with those tactics and you think, well, yeah, it seems pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and you're right. Of course, the counter is that guys are returning better than ever before, that guys have better backhands than they did before. So there's a lot of reasons it's tough. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it's a fun style to watch. It's kind yeah. of rambunctious, kind of improvisational. So I'd like to see more of it. Can I hit you with one more question Go about for the it. women's side? I don't want to really talk about the quarterfinals because they're just about to happen, so it's really no point in previewing them. But I wanted to get your take on 15-year-old sensation Coco Goff. Yeah, it's a subject that everybody's talked about more than enough. <laughs> already but i haven't heard it from you what's your take on her and then and then let's say it's gotta it. be the same as everyone else i mean you know <laughs> how, how much fun was she to watch fantastic what a what a great attitude um 
and in terms of what a, what an incredible serve at that age as well in terms of hits a big ball let's not overhype her a bit because I'm sure this is what everyone said is in you know she's 15 there's a, there's a long long way left also let's look at the draw okay she beat Venus who sometimes will struggle with you know Chodron's disease and so sometimes she'll get up and feel a little more 39 years old 39 years old the oldest person in the draw um, you know phenomenal player it's still an unbelievable win to do that on one of the main courts in front of all the fans to beat a great champion one of her idols shows you her character and shows her mental toughness that's something that I'm always as I said to you even about Felix Auger-Aliassime in comparison to Shapovalov I look more at the mentalities and do they have that fight are they going to keep fighting every single point do they have the belief do they have the confidence when they step on these big courts and you have to say yes to all of those questions with Coco Goff but I mean there's, there's, there's others as in you know Anna Samova for me is it's been incredible. I mean, the French Open, her run was, was amazing. I've been telling people about her for two, three years, as in when she beat, I think it was Kvitova in Indian Wells two years ago or a year and a half ago. I, I've never seen Kvitova out hit by anyone. And she was out hit by a 16 year old at the time. And, and she, the attitude she has is immense. Her, her core strength is incredible. She seems to be so comfortable on the big stage. So I know everyone's chatting about Goff, but I, I've seen a lot about Anna Samova, and I'm, I'm so excited about her as well. So those two players, yeah. for me, if things go right, you know, I mean, with Anna Samova was a classic example because she then got injured after that win over Kvitova, and so they missed missed gone some time, for quite a while. gone for quite a while, um, and you just don't know what's around the corner. So it's keeping your health, but it sounds like Goff has got the right people around her. Sounds like she's got a great family. Um, and those are, and same That's with Anna Samova, and those are so important. And so, if they've got good teams, but it's still they're going to have money thrown at them. They're going to have agents coming towards them. They're going to have, you know, we've seen it so many times with even Bouchard and things like that. We've seen it with young players have a lot of talent, and then they've got lost. Laura Robson in Britain as well. You know, young, young player, a lot of talent got lost. And so, if we hype them up too much, we've just got to be careful. Not there yet. A lot of hard work left. Yeah. But the signs for Anna Samova and Goff for me are they have the potential to be the next Serena and Venus and, and to dominate women's tennis. I mean, I actually said this. I had a big debate with Nomi Cavalier because I said, <laughs> I said after I first saw Anna Samova, I said she could dominate this sport. And he was, she was like, oh, that's a big line to say yeah, after watching it. Certainly her. is. But after getting to the French, I'm like, okay, I, I still feel I'm... I still feel good on that. Yeah. I mean, that's me overhyping. I said, you know, there's still a long, long road, but both of those, you can say the same thing about golf. They both have the potential to dominate the sport with what we've seen so far, and it's really exciting. But I mean, I love the women's game anyway because it's so exciting at the moment because you've got so many different people can win and different styles. It's, yeah, every tournament you don't know, and yeah. so it's great. But I mean, other, other friends of mine are like, oh, you need, we need some mega stars. And so I understand that as well. And so yeah. maybe Goff and, and Anna Samova might be the mega starts to take over Serena's crown. This edition of the Lucky Let Cord podcast is a wrap. Special thanks to Pete Odgers of BBC for joining us. Always a pleasure to have him on the podcast and to get his insights on the game. want to let you guys know that you can follow this podcast, the Lucky Let Cord podcast, sponsored by Tennis Express, on iTunes. Just open up your Apple Podcasts app and type in Lucky Let Cord podcast and voila, you are there. You can also find this podcast on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Play, or anywhere else you'd like to listen to your podcast. You can also find our homepage for the podcast at Potomatic.com. You can also find Tennis Now on the web, www.tennisnow.com. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash tennis now. On Twitter, at tennis underscore now. Find me, Chris Otto, around the grounds, and I'll be here tomorrow. Tomorrow.
for the men's quarterfinals. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.